We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Brian, good to catch up with you. Hope you're well. I'm doing great. Doing great. I actually am looking forward to the summer going by because I cannot wait for some football. I I really want to see how good this team is going to be. Don't we all? That's for sure. And and maybe you can fill in some blanks here since I do not subscribe to any of the ESPN premium information. And apparently there was a story today that – has caused a lot of reaction. In fact, the author has even come out on Twitter and explained a little more of why he expects Notre Dame to have, I would say, a down year compared to what most people are thinking about Notre Dame football. And, Brian, I think you've seen the article. So who wrote it, and why in the world does this author believe Notre Dame is going to go 7-5 and five this year? Wow. Well, so his his belief of seven and five comes from a formula that he has created. It's the S and P plus, and it's essentially it's an attempt to try to create efficiency and taking into account difficulty of strength. And he says that it's a predictive model. The problem is there's just a, a lot of flawed things. And number one, when you create a formula that consistently kicks out just really misguided things, you should really rethink your formula. For example. The S&P Plus is the same formula that, that after the 2019 National Championship game in which LSU beat Clemson and Clemson beat Ohio State, his formula had LSU third behind Ohio State and Clemson. Oh, nice. And, for example, yeah, so after last season, he had Notre Dame ranked 16th and 4-5 and five Penn State ranked 17th. He had North Carolina, who <laughs> went 8-4 and four and lost by two touchdowns at home to Notre Dame ahead of Notre Dame. And so – it's just consistently a formula that clearly has built-in biases based on certain conferences, get more uh, benefit of the doubt. He's, it's always been much higher on the Big Ten than it should be. And he says it's a, it's a predictive model, yet it really doesn't prove to be so. So it, it, it's a flawed formula and um, one that I have taken great uh, great 
nothing the last couple of years. I, mean, I give him credit. He does answer <laughs> the fans. People criticize time when your formula keeps kicking out stuff like that. It's time to rethink your formula. Well, and I mean, you poked enough holes in it, I think, right there. But but for seven and five to happen, Brian, what 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 would that mean? You know, happened on the field. You know, if if big if, I think you know to actually cause that. So what ha- what he has is his five losses are he has Wisconsin as a likely loss, which I still don't understand where this Wisconsin hype is coming from. I, I, I just can't fathom Very it. Very popular. Where, <laughs> could Wisconsin beat Notre Dame? Sure, they could. But to people are acting as if it's like a given that they're going to beat Notre Dame in Chicago. His formula also has Notre Dame pre- losing to Virginia Tech, and he has Notre Dame as a less than 50-50 chance of beating, 50% chance of beating North Carolina, USC, and Cincinnati at home. So Notre Dame, who has not lost a home game in over three years, and that was the eventual national runner-up, is all of a sudden going to lose three games at home to teams that they've largely dominated or, or an American Athletic Conference team in Cincinnati who lost their defensive coordinator to Notre Dame. So basically it is Notre Dame's home dominance is going to completely come to an end, and the fact that Notre Dame lost Ian Book in the four starting offensive linemen, plus, in his words, a star cornerback, Star strong safety that would be Nick McLeod and Sean Crawford. Uh, that his his thing. So honestly, Sean, as far as what it would look like on the field, I can't even begin to explain to you what that would look like because, you know, we talked about this on our on our podcast today. We've been here before where Notre Dame's had big losses. I mean, in one year they lost Quentin Nelson, Mike McGlinchey, Josh Adams, Equinemy St. Brown. Durham Smythe, Miles Morgan, Nick Watkins, Jay Hayes, and Greer Martini from a 10-3 team. And the next year, they went 12-1. Mm-hmm. In 2019, they lost Chase Claypool, Cole Komet, Chris Fink, Tony Jones, Julian Aguara, Khalid Kareem, Troy Pride, Eloy Gilman, Osmar Bilal, Jalen Elliott, J- Jameer Jones, and Dante Vaughn. And they went 11-2. And then the next year, they went out and had an undefeated regular season and made the college football playoff. So it's not like Notre Dame hasn't had to go through heavy personnel losses before. And not only did they come out of that just as good, but in, in many instances, they were even better. So I feel like a lot of this is still viewing Notre Dame with a pre-2017 lens, and I think that's where a lot of people tend to miss the boat. And I don't understand why Notre Dame doesn't get more benefit of the doubt, but teams like Cincinnati and Iowa State and North Carolina and Wisconsin, and ESPN has USC ranked six spots ahead of Notre Dame, and they're way too early top 25. So there just seems to be a really um, uneven sort of criteria here where, hey, they lost their quarterback. Well, Ohio State's returning starting – or Ohio State's expected starting quarterback this year, I believe last year, through a grand total as a true freshman, a grand total of zero passes. They literally don't have a a quarterback on the roster that has ever thrown a college pass. Wow. Yet they're not going to miss a beat, and Notre Dame's going to tumble, you know, 10 or so spots. That's where I say there's there's a misapplication of criteria here that doesn't seem to make a lot of sense. Brian Driscoll, the publisher of irisbreakdown.com, joining us on WSBT Radio. Since we're talking hypotheticals, let's just keep going with that theme. Let's just say that Jack Cohn is the starting quarterback for Notre Dame. We expect that, but we'll use that as a starting point. He goes down with an injury in September. Let's say it's kind of a long-term injury. How confident are you Notre Dame can still have success with the quarterbacks they have further down the depth chart? And part two of the question is this. 
in this hypothetical, do you see Brian Kelly going with two quarterbacks getting a lot of snaps in games to make up for Jack Cohn being out in that hypothetical? We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. I, I think I would still be confident that Notre Dame would still be, in my opinion, a, a floor 10-2 and two team. That's the floor for Notre Dame this season. Because even if you take Jack Cohn out, and, and to your point, let's say he gets hurt in September, Notre Dame still has more skill talent. They still have a better defense uh, than just about every team on their schedule. And they say, well, you know, Notre Dame's offensive line lost four starters. There are a lot of teams on Notre Dame's schedule that would gladly trade their start their their starting experienced offensive lines for Notre Dame's inexperienced one. Let's be honest about that, right? And the other thing that's not often taken into context is or in, into this discussion is the context of who is the Notre Dame offense going to be facing this year. You have Cincinnati and Wisconsin in back-to-back games. Outside of that, name me a defensive team that you look at and say, boy, that's going to be a tough one for Notre Dame. Just from a personnel or a recent experience standpoint, there's a lot of bad defenses on the schedule. And then, of course, you look at Cincinnati and Wisconsin, they're not exactly offensive juggernauts. So it's not like you have to worry about necessarily getting into shootouts with those teams. Wisconsin doesn't win shootouts against good teams. They win low-scoring, you know, battles. Well, so, I, you know, I think that they're in a situation where if they continue to make the tweaks with the system that they've made, it takes a little pressure off the quarterback to be a – a game winner, you know, a, a, a guy that has to go out and make a lot of plays. You've got a very good defense coming back with a lot of returning talent, a defensive line that's got get, not getting nearly the love that it should be getting on a national stage. I think that unit will continue to carry the football team, and there's all this focus on what is off on offense. What's not being discussed by the national media, and we've talked a lot about it on, on these shows, is Notre Dame has been a defensive-driven team for really three years. So, we, I mean, Notre Dame won last year many times in spite of their offense. And I think that, that when you look at guys that were injured last year, the return of our, you know, arguably the best tight end in the country, one of the best running back depth charts in the country, a very talented, albeit inexperienced offensive line, and, and some really athletic players at receiver, I don't see the, the drop-off that other people do. And I think that there's still the talent for that new quarterback to say, hey, look, just run the offense. You don't have to go win it every game. Just get the ball where it needs to go. Drew Pine, to me, can be that kind of player. And I think what you would see, to your second point of your question, Darren, is I think then you would really see a more of a two-quarterback-driven system to where Drew Pine would be the starter, 
you see a bigger package for Tyler Buckner with the thought that if Buckner steps in and really makes a lot of plays, eventually he may then take over the job. But I think a two-quarterback system could work because Drew Pine and Tyler Buckner have very distinctly different games, and I think you could make that work. I want to ask you about the offensive line, though, Brian. And, you know, like you were talking about, well, if this was, you know, five years ago or what, you know, coming off 2016, you know, then, you know, mm-hmm. when we were talking about these rankings and all that kind of stuff. Well, if this was four years ago, I'd probably feel a lot more confident about an offensive line who's only bringing one guy back, you know, compared to how I feel right now. So how, how confident, what should my concern level be, you know, in, in an offensive line that's sounding like they're going to start two guys who, you know, missed their proms in high school this year because they were on <laughs> campus, you know, working out with Notre Dame instead. So am I reading correctly into your comment that that means that back then you had Harry Heastan developing the offensive line compared to – I mean, I, you know – I still have I, to, to prove it. I mean, I think it's a fair – I didn't say it, but you said question. it. And, yeah, you know, that's that's yeah. exactly – that's that's exactly my yeah. point. Yeah. I, I, I agree with you. That is the only concern I have. If, 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 if Harry Heastan were still here, I'd expect this to be a top five to eight offensive line. I think without him, this should still be a top 10 to 15 offensive line. Where I don't buy into the notion is, is that all of a sudden they're going to have an awful offensive line. I mean, their offensive line in 2018 certainly took a big step back from the 2017 offensive line. It was still a good enough offensive line to go undefeated. And not only did they lose sure. Mike McGlinchey and Quentin Nelson from that group, but remember, they lost Alex Bars in the fifth game of the year. And then Tommy Kramer battled injuries that year as well in 2018. So uh, they ended up – there was a lot of turnover that offensive line the next year. You, your quarterback got benched after the third game, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And yet they still went 12-0, and right? Because this is a very deep Notre Dame team. And to your point about the offensive line, I think one of the things that we need to talk more about is, yes, there's one quote-unquote returning starter on the offensive line, but Zeke Carell started the national championship game. He started sure. against North Carolina, a big win. Josh Lugg started in the national championship game. Uh, you know, he started in the ACC championship game. Josh Lugg's a fifth-year senior with nine career starts, including I think Notre Dame has only lost one game that Josh Lugg has started. And actually, he didn't start the, the national title game. So they've only lost one game that Josh Lugg has started in because that would be the ACC championship game. He played very well down the stretch. So it's not like they're throwing about a, about a bunch of guys that have never played before. And, and with, when you look at Blake Fisher starting, for example – the thing that makes me feel better about that, Sean, is I don't think Blake Fisher started because they have no other options. I think Blake Fisher earned a starting job because he's that good. And that's where I guess I have a little bit more confidence. Kind of like when Robert Hainsey played in 2017, Harry Heastan didn't play Robert Hainsey because they didn't have anybody else. They had Liam Eikenberg on that roster. They had Tommy Kramer on that roster. He started because he was too good not to play. And that's the situation that they found Blake Fisher. They were anticipating – Jarrett Patterson, Josh Lugg, and Tosh Baker battling it out for the starting tackle job. But Blake Fisher was so good that it was like, hey, we're going to move Jarrett Patterson to guard. So the fact that they felt good enough to move Jarrett Patterson to guard because of how well Blake Fisher played this spring makes me feel a little bit better about, you know, just saying, hey, he's a true freshman. He's a special true freshman. And and I've heard that from, from a lot of people that have been to practices that we weren't able to get to. So do I have concerns about Jeff Quinn being able to do it without Chris Watt there to help? Yeah, I do. But even Jeff Quinn not doing a great job coaching the line should still give Notre Dame a top 15-ish 
caliber offensive line, when, which with you combine it with the defense they have, the skill players they have, the running backs that they have, and the depth of quarterback that they have. Because I've said all along, guys, you know that I'm consistent about this. I don't care who starts quarterback. I'm confident in the quarterback situation no matter who starts, which is why, Derek, back to I'm not as concerned about if Jack Cohn goes down, they're screwed. I don't have that belief because I have a lot of faith in the top three quarterbacks Two from a talent plus experience standpoint, the other from just a God-given ability is just really special. Brian Driscoll, publisher of irisbreakdown.com, talking Notre Dame football with us. I'm going to ask this question, and I'm looking for just real basic answers, but as we now are within 100 days of the first game, I'm just wondering, have you taken a look at Florida State at all? And considering they are in the second season under a brand-new head coach, I know he's had to do a lot of work behind the scenes trying to get players back on track, following the Florida State way. A lot of players have left the program. He's moved on from players. So it's still a bit of a revolving door at Florida State. As you look ahead to that first game, does anything stand out to you about Florida State? And are you concerned about this first game from a Notre Dame standpoint? I, I'm, I think I'm always concerned about a first game, to be honest with you, because you just never know in first games. It's your first It's not like the NFL where you have, you know, three or four preseason games to kind of work out some kinks. You know, in college football, you're thrown right into the fire where it matters. And so I always have a general concern. What I don't necessarily have, Darren, specifically to your question, is a concern about, about Florida State. One thing that you're going to hear from people is they have a lot of talent, and that is true. They have talent, but they don't have the talent that they used to have. When Willie Taggart was losing games, they were losing with really, really good players. They're starting to see some of the ramifications of his poor recruiting, even though he wasn't here very long. And I think they're also going to suffer this year from the fact that Mike Norvell didn't have a normal first season because of COVID. So there were a lot of things that Mike – Norvell and his staff would have been able to do in from a culture building standpoint that was made much harder so I think they're sort of a year behind in that regards I think they're a team that's got some talent at running back you just Sean Corbin and Lawrence Tafili there's some talent in the secondary at spot but just overall they don't have the talent that they used to have and it's especially true along the lines that's the thing that's really different about this Florida State team and past Florida State teams their offensive line has been bad for years it doesn't project to be any better their defensive line lost a ton of their production from last year marvin wilson josh kando a lot of guys are gone they got a transfer from georgia who's a good player but i don't you know it's just not an offensive a defensive line that scares me to which again brings us back to the Notre Dame point is that's not a group that i look at and say they're going to be able to expo- exploit notre dame's weakness which is the offensive line whereas notre dame's defensive line is certainly going to be able to exploit florida state's weakness and I think there's a lot of good stories. Mackenzie Milton finally being back after missing a couple of years, recovering from that gruesome injury that he suffered a few years back. That's a great story, but I just don't see the talent level. They're going to be playing a lot of young guys as well to where they're not going to beat Notre Dame. The only way they can beat the only way they can win that game is if Notre Dame beats themselves. And I just don't see that happening because that, that would mean that we would see something from Notre Dame that we really haven't seen in years. Notre Dame doesn't beat itself. Notre Dame is undefeated from 2017 to 2020. They are literally undefeated against teams that finish, ranked, that finish unranked. And I think Florida State is more that kind of team 
than they are a team that's going to surprise people and maybe go out and win nine games this year. Brian, I realize it's easier, you know, like for national guys to to say things about Notre Dame and get, you know, page views or viewership on TV and whatever it it happens to be when you know when you're when you're kind of saying those kind of things. But does it feel like when you look at at sort of how average Florida State and Miami those programs have become in these recent years, does it feel like that doesn't get maybe as much attention as it should, considering the kind of powers they used to be? I don't think it does at all, and I think part of it's the league they played in. If they were SEC teams, maybe ESPN would have a more vested interest in doing stories about how far they've fallen. I think what will happen, however, is as soon as they start winning again, they'll become a fun story. But, you know, Florida State is even more so than Miami, Sean, because Miami hasn't really been good in a long time. Not like that kind of good. Not like national title contender right. good. Florida State right. won a national championship in 2013. And then made the national playoff or made the college football playoff in 2014. And ever since they got destroyed by Oregon that year, it's been a very quick decline. And even a couple years after when they were a 13 win, you know, they were a 10 plus win team. You know, you look like 2015, for example, they went, uh, they went 10 and three, lost to Houston in a bowl game. And then the next year, 2016, they went 10 and three again. But that year they gave up 63 points to Louisville. They lost at home to North Carolina and Mitch Trubisky, and that's kind of when Clemson started taking over dominance. And then after that, they fell off a cliff. And it, 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 to see a team drop that hard, that fast after winning a title in the playoff, you know, the playoff era, that's a story that I'm. I, I don't think it's talked enough, and I do, and I don't know why it is, but the job Willie Taggart there did there was worse than what Ty Willingham did at Florida State. Like he did in a year and a half what it took Ty Willingham three years to do at Notre Dame. And nobody talks about it. No, nobody talks about it. And it's the strangest thing. It happened another day, and you know they talk about it. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. All right. Brian's the publisher at irishbreakdown.com. We have reached the month of June. Visits coming up for Notre Dame. What should people, I guess, consider seeing coming up at irishbreakdown.com? Well, we're going to have a lot of recruiting coverage coming up. Obviously, Notre Dame is going to have their Irish Invasion camp in five days, and we just got word that we will not be able to attend any of the summer camps that Notre Dame is going to have. So our media blackout continues for the uh, foreseeable future, but uh, there's going to be a lot of talented juniors on campus. I expect Notre Dame to have a big month from a recruiting standpoint. I, I actually wrote an article at irishbreakdown.com that I would encourage you all to check it out, that this month of June is the most important month of Brian Kelly's entire tenure from a recruiting standpoint this month is going to determine whether or not Notre Dame can close the gap and become a title contender I truly believe that and I explain why in that breakdown uh, so we'll have a lot to cover that but we also kicked off today sort of our June 1st being our day where we are going to really start diving into the 2021 football team we're going to go position by position do overall position reviews. we're going to do player by player we're going to do a, a breakdown on every player on the roster between now and the first game so it is going to be a busy summer. You can go on your vacations and all those type of things, but make sure you stay locked in our break breakdown. So you're sitting in the airport getting ready for on vacation, check what we got out. Listen to our YouTube channel and all those kind of things because we are really going to start ramping it up because the season is going to be on here before you know it, and we're going to make sure that we get through everything before that happens. Well, there's no doubt your website can go along with lawn chairs and margaritas. Those work well <laughs> together. Those were quotes. And now together. we've got a merch store so you can rock the Irish Breakdown gear while you're at your cookouts having stuff. So you check that wow. out as well. 
the famous yeah. hat you wear? Big time. <laughs> That's right. We now I had over a hundred people ask me where they could buy it. So eventually I got the idea of well let's just make a merch store. So we have hats, we have shirts, we have hoodies, and we have a coffee mug. So uh, you can check that out as well, store.irishbreakdown.com. So I try to make it easy, Darren. I try to make it easy for you. We like, hey, I need that. We all need that. That's for sure. <laughs> Brian, good to catch up with you. We'll talk to you on Thursday. We will shift our conversation to Notre Dame football recruiting. We talk Thursdays with Brian about recruiting, and that's going to be fun every Thursday in mm-hmm. June with visits back underway. Brian, thank you so much. We will talk to you on Thursday. Thanks for having me on, guys. You bet. Brian Driscoll, the publisher of irisbreakdown.com. You guys were talking about Notre Dame-Wisconsin. I know a couple of weeks ago, Notre Dame was a four-point underdog in that game. I don't know what it is now, but I was really surprised. And I got to do a little more research on Wisconsin. That took me off guard. Like Brian said, can Wisconsin beat Notre Dame? Sure, but I wasn't expecting that type of line. Maybe it's the unknown of the quarterback position at Notre Dame, possibly. Maybe that's it. You know, maybe the, you know, Vegas, whoever is, is looking at, at some uncertainty there and, and not really knowing enough about Jack Cohn, who, oh, by the way, happened to come from Wisconsin. Yeah. So maybe they think that's a bigger advantage for Wisconsin than it is for Notre Dame. I don't know. We'll find out in a few months. All right, that'll do it for our conversation with Brian. We've got a look at our My 5 question of the day next on WSBT. Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around, a watch she can wear every day from Movement. Whether your mom is into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, Movement has something she'll love. And right now, everything at Movement is up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale. A watch is a gift that celebrates all the time you spent with mom, and a Movement watch is even more than that. Movement uses industry-leading materials for their fresh modern watch designs, from technically complex ceramics to vintage-inspired style, all for an incredible value your wrist and wallet will both love. And with one-size-fits-all convenience and fast-free shipping and returns, it's a stress-free shopping experience. Save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with Movement. 
Get up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com.